You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. But yet what is unmistakable in each of them is their emphasis not on salvific purpose in Jesus's death, but in how God overcame the injustice of his murder through a life-giving, life-conquering, death-reversing, injustice-overturning resurrection. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 360. And our title this week is The Good News of Forceful Nonviolent Resurrection. Our reading this week is from Mark's version of the Jesus story. It's in Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Much of Western Christianity is commemorating Holy Week this week, and this Sunday is Easter Sunday. So for those of you who celebrate Easter, happy upcoming Easter to to each of you. Our Eastern Orthodox siblings will be celebrating Easter on May 2nd. But Christians spend a lot of energy this time each year reflecting on the closing scenes of the Jesus story, Jesus's last week, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and leaders in many communities, they're going to be interpreting these events this weekend in a multitude of ways. The early followers of Jesus varied too. They varied widely in how they interpreted the closing scenes of Jesus's life. And some viewed his murder as somehow salvific on a, on a cosmic level, while others focused their attention on how his, his resurrection overcame and reversed and undid the interruption Jesus's death posed to his life-giving ministry and, and how the resurrection caused that life to then live on. And these varied voices and explanations, they're all in our sacred scriptures as well. The canon, it made room for all of them, all of them. But the voices that speak most deeply to me are the voices that emphasize God's overcoming of the unjust death of Jesus through bringing Jesus back to life rather than those that that reframe such an unjust act as having some secret 
divine purpose. The book of Acts, it offers just one biblical example of this focus and this emphasis. And in Acts, the good news is not that Jesus died or even that he died for you. The good news, rather, is that that Jesus, whom they killed, God has brought back to life. And I want you to consider the good news identified in each of the following passages this week. I just want to take a little bit of time and actually read through these passages from Luke. There's quite a few of them, so just bear with me. I'm not going to to read each one of them in entirety, um, just to where it gets to the the point that we're making uh, uh, this week. But uh, we'll start with Acts 4, verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In Acts 2, 22-24, it says, This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Acts 2, 32 through 33, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Again, Acts 3, 12 through 16. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Acts 4, 10 through 11, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Uh, Acts 5, 30 through 32, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. Uh, Acts 10, 36 through 43, we won't read the entire passage here, but it says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. And lastly, Acts 13, 32 through 33, we tell you the good news. And this is right where good news is defined. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. These passages, they're not without their problems. There's there's some anti-Semitism in a few of them, but yet what is unmistakable in each of them is their emphasis not on salvific purpose in Jesus's death, but in how God overcame the injustice of his murder through a life-giving, life-conquering, death-reversing, injustice-overturning resurrection. And womenist theologians have shaped my thinking and my faith journey on this, and I I owe them so much. I want to amplify a few of their voices this week, too, especially during the Easter season. I'm often reminded of statements like this one from Dolores Williams in her classic work, Sisters in the Wilderness, The Challenge of Womanist God Talk. This is from page one. 
30, she writes, Matthew, Mark, and Luke suggest that Jesus did not come to redeem humans by showing them God's love manifested in the death of God's innocent child on a cross erected by cruel, imperialistic, patriarchal power. Rather, the text suggests that the Spirit of God in Jesus came to show humans life, to show redemption through a perfect ministerial vision of writing relationships between body, individual, and community, mind of humans and of tradition, and spirit. A female-male inclusive vision, Jesus's ministry of writing relationships involved raising the dead, those separated from life and community, casting out demons, for example, ridding the mind of destructive forces, prohibiting the flourishing of positive, peaceful life, and proclaiming the word of life that demanded the transformation of tradition so that life could be lived more abundantly. God's gift to humans through through Jesus was to invite them to participate in this ministerial vision, whosoever will let them come, of writing relations. The, res- to, the response to this invitation by human principalities and powers was the horrible deed the cross represents. The evil of humankind trying to kill the ministerial vision of life in relation that Jesus brought to humanity. The resurrection does not depend upon the cross for life. The cross only represents historical evil trying to defeat good. The resurrection of Jesus and the flourishing of God's spirit in the world as the result of resurrection represent the life of the ministerial vision gaining victory over the evil's attempt to kill it. Thus, to respond meaningful to black women's historic experience of surrogacy and oppression, the womanist theologian must show that redemption of humans can have nothing to do with any kind of surrogate, and she means substitutionary here, or substitute role Jesus was reputed to have played in a bloody act that supposedly gained victory over sin and or evil. For Williams, it's the resurrection and the kingdom of God theme in the Jesus story that is life-giving. Not Jesus' death. Jesus came not to die, uh, but to show us how to live. She continues on page 131, the kingdom of God theme in the ministerial vision of Jesus does not point to death. It's not something one has to die to reach. Rather, the kingdom of God is a metaphor of hope. Uh, Hope uh, God gives uh, to those attempting to right the relations between self and self, between self and others, and between self and God, as prescribed in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Golden Rule, and in the commandment to show love above all else. And and I want to also lift up the voice of Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas, who isn't on the exact same page as as Dolores Williams on this, but she also weaves uh, even nonviolence into the meaning of the resurrection story event. This is from her book, uh, Stand Your Ground, Black Bodies and the Justice of God, page 178 through 180. Uh, she writes uh, among these pages, the resurrection is God's definitive victory over crucifying powers of evil. 
ironically, the power that attempts to destroy Jesus on the cross is actually itself destroyed by the cross. The cross represents the power that denigrates human bodies, destroys life, and preys on the most vulnerable in society. As the cross is defeated, so too is that power. The impressive factor is how it is defeated. It is defeated by a life-giving rather than a life-negating force. God's power, unlike human power, is not a master race kind of power. That is, it's not a power that diminishes the life of another so that others might live. God's power respects the integrity of all human bodies and the sanctity of all life. This is resurrecting power. Therefore, God's power never expresses itself through the humiliation and denigration of another. It does not triumph over life. It conquers death by resurrecting life. The force of God is a death-negating, life-affirming force. God does not fight death with death. God does not utilize the violence exhibited in the cross to defeat deadly violence itself. Through the resurrection, God responds to the violence of the cross, the violence of the world, in a nonviolent, forceful manner. It is important to understand that nonviolence is not the same as passivity or accommodation to violence. Rather, it is the forceful response that, uh, uh, that protects the integrity of life. Violence seeks to do harm, while nonviolence seeks to rescue others from harm. It seeks to break the cycle of violence itself. The forces of nonviolence actually reveal the impotence of violent force. That God could defeat the unmitigated violence of the cross reveals the consummate power of the nonviolent life-giving force that is God. This weekend, uh, for those of us who choose to commemorate the resurrection event in the Jesus story and all the meaning that that story event symbolizes, I hope that our Easter rituals will, will further shape us into death-negating, life-giving people that we will commit more deeply to life-affirming work in our world, and that together we will continue to work towards a world that is a, a safe, a compassionate, and a distributively just home for everyone. Happy upcoming Easter to each of you. Remember this season, love can conquer hate. Equity can conquer fear and greed. Inclusion can conquer exclusion and marginalization. Life affirmation, it can conquer death dealing. And forceful nonviolence, it can conquer life negating violence. The golden rule is the way of life. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Heart group application this week, we at Renewed Heart Ministries are continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time, but please stay virtually connected. Practice your physical distancing. When you go out, remember to wear a mask, stay six feet away from others, uh, uh, wash your hands, all the things we know to do. We're so close to the end. Um, I don't know if any of you were able to catch the CDC's announcements this week. We're so close to the end. We don't need another fourth surge at this 
this time, if we can just hold on just a little longer, we'll be through this. And this is a time, remember, where we can practice the, the resource sharing and the mutual aid found in the Gospels. Make sure that everyone in your group has what they need. And, and this is a time, remember, to prioritize the most vulnerable among us. So number one this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how does focusing on injustice overturning resurrection in the Jesus story inform, inspire, and empower you in your own justice work today and share that with your group? And what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. 